We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Moose and Ruins podcast. This is episode 208, or so I'm told, of the pod. Are we just going to do this Rudy? forever now? Like every podcast no, from here on out, you're going to not believe me? No, 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 no. I, I usually, even when I'm not wrong, like, that's why I didn't believe you, is because uh-huh. I usually know I'm wrong. But in, in the instance of episode 207, and I do air quotes, great, great radio right there, uh, I thought that that was 208. I was, I was nothing like Nothing like verbal air quotes. But if you'd like That's to it. go check the SoundCloud, any one of no, you can no, actually no. go to the Moose and Room SoundCloud page. And count from it's one. It's all up there for you to see. One. Well, technically, we did have a couple side episodes and uh, I was gonna a lost, say, I'd probably a lost be at like, episode in there that actually got brought up again the other day. That was fun. Um, I think we're technically at like, if we're counting all the half episodes and lost episodes, I think we're at like 214 right now. Yeah, I was going to say, we probably gonna, got like five or six in there. But we're going to call it episode 208 of the Moose and Runes podcast. Alongside Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Plenty to get to as it is playoff time in the NBA across the NHL. Uh, we're going to talk about those big-time matchups. We'll give you a pick here for the Memorial, which is uh, underway. Uh, just some some of the early groups are on. Th- or no, is it underway? No. It is underway. Today? Yeah. It's underway. It's underway. Well, oh, yeah. Today's Thursday. I'm completely yeah, spot. It's okay. We're, um, I'm thrown off, too, because the Memorial Day weekend was, you know, it's yeah, the late yeah, start yeah, of the work. week, and it feels like a Wednesday. I'm going to sound like I am a front runner with my pick, but I had this guy before the tournament even started, but we'll get into that later. I love it. Uh, we'll talk a little White Sox baseball, a little Cubs baseball, and I think Cubs got Cubs to take the headline this week. We like for to sure. do our temperature check each week, but this has been a great week for Cubs baseball. I believe winners in nine of their last ten, uh, hitting really, like really, really well at the plate. The big names have come to play. It's everything. So have the no names. Someone named that's, Patrick that's Wisdom is hitting home runs. That's Who true. that? What is a the, Patrick Wisdom? The number Wisdom? of times, the number of times I've said word to the wise over the last oh. week, it's been very uncomfortable You're a uh, for me and for the viewers. Uh, we will give you a memorial pick. We'll talk Cubs. We have some uh, thought-provoking mailbag questions. First and foremost, Matt Rooney, how are you? I'm I'm doing just lovely. I'm just hanging in the. I hope my acoustics are a little better this week. Are they? Yeah, you sound good. You're not okay. I, I went back to the. I went back to like having a microphone a little bit closer to the face. So, the, so that was that was there a concerted go. effort to help out the people. Uh, doing well. Coming off a nice, refreshed, long Memorial Day weekend. Did hurt the back say, a little like, bit. Look, you looked like you were playing a hundred holes a day out there at Lost played, Dunes. I played a, a whole lot of, lot of golf contact. at Lost Dunes over the weekend. That was lovely. Did tweak the back. Um, or was that golf on. related or uh, dancing? It was. I was doing a good amount of dancing with my niece and then playing some basketball and hey, pick me up so I can dunk and that kind of thing. And you know, I, I tweaked the back about once a year and it was just. Can time. you can you pinpoint the moment or was oh, yeah, it just oh, like some the, of the? No, part, yeah. it was it. There was just take I, us I through was, that. I was, we were out in the, the front yard. We had a basketball hoop at the cottage and, you know, shooting around. And she was also had a, you know, a little toy baseball bat that she was, she does, you know, she's four years old. She's running around doing just about everything you can imagine. And she threw the bat and went to go grab the basketball. So I picked up the bat and she's like, Uncle Matt, lift me up so I can dunk. So I put the bat in between my legs and was holding it there so it didn't drop. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of bend over to pick her up. And as I start to relift her back up with that bat in between my legs, it was over. It was over. Just felt uh, it's a nice, nice little pull upper. lower. It's, I'm a lower guy. Uh, right, I, st- I, I, I probably shouldn't have tried to keep playing golf the next two days, but I did, and uh, probably extended the the pain a couple more days. But we're feeling fine now. We're fine. I need you. I need you. We're almost back to normal. 
I need you on a heating pad 20 minutes at a time, interval okay. some, some cat cows. I need you, uh, if, if you don't know, look them up. I need you to be doing some cat cows, really really shelling out that lower back. We're going to get you back to 100%, Matt. Mm-hmm. That makes, um, I, I'm, I'm there for you. I had, see, I, I bring up dancing because we had a, a wedding uh, this past weekend. I saw. It was, uh, what was it, fr- uh, Friday? Yeah, it was a Friday night weekend. No, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was a Friday night weekend. And absolutely ripped the dance floor to shreds. Love it. Um, I can't wait to see. It was a friend of Shelby's through work um, got married, and it was a it was a great wedding, a blast, beautiful location. It was rainy though, so we had to kind of take everything inside that was supposed to be outside, and it was I'd say it was on the smaller side relative to the big Dago weddings I'm used to, um, but the wedding is going to look like it was an absolute rave because. You know, people have videographers at their weddings now, and this videographer identified Shelby and I as the people who are going to make this wedding look like it was Coachella. Um, so he was following us the whole night, and we were just absolutely crushing the dance floor. Still a little, still a little twingy in the hamstrings. That's how you know you're getting old. Oh yeah, so you, yeah, so you know you're getting old. But uh, we got to get to the, the tasks at hand here. Uh, we're going to begin with some NBA playoff talk number of teams have punched their ticket into the next round a night ago the Sixers take care of the Wizards uh, the Hawks take care of the Knicks that is one of your second round matchups we'll have the Hawks and the Sixers uh, the Bucks uh, take uh, no issue with sweeping uh, that was a few nights ago so now I'm blanking on who the Bucks Miami. swept Miami, Miami very easy <laughs> yes they swept Miami um, on the Western Conference side of things Denver and Portland sits 3-2 Denver after an absolute thriller a few nights ago. Uh, so that could be a winner. We have a possible winner tonight between Phoenix and L.A. after L.A. just absolutely no-shows in Game 5. LeBron yeah, that was wild. Was he five just minutes it. and 45 seconds left. He just let, – let's start right there. Yeah, because that's fine. It's I know LeBron it's an easy games. topic. It's bait. But, like, it, it – how do you – I don't – This is how. This okay, is how. go ahead. You're old. Sorry. He's not what he once was. Un- up until last year, we talked about Le- LeBron James as this ascending talent. This, oh my gosh, he's in year 17, he's never been injured, and he's getting better seemingly. Like, he can he can do it alone. He can have one of those 40-point triple-doubles when his running mate isn't there, in mm-hmm. this instance, being Anthony Davis. Then he hurts his knee, or excuse me, he hurts his groin last year. Misses a substantial amount of time. Um, that was the last full season. Excuse me. This is a substantial amount of time. Goes into the bubble, wins a championship, does his thing. Has a little ankle issue in the bubble, but it kind of plays through it. Yeah. This season, it's a big-time ankle issue. The body's starting to break down. And I'm not saying that LeBron James is not an all-time great. I'm not saying that LeBron James isn't possibly the most special talent we've ever seen on a basketball court. I'm not saying that LeBron James is done. I'm not saying that maybe he, he I'm not saying LeBron James has even won his last championship, mm-hmm. but I what I am saying is LeBron James can't do it alone anymore. And he's been able to do it alone in the past. Contrary to popular belief, yes, he had Kyrie and Kevin Love. Yes, he had Wade and um and Bosh and and some shooters around him. But this season, Anthony Davis his running mate is dinged up as well and Anthony Davis will perpetually be dinged up. Anthony Davis is never going to be 100%. His body does not move in a way that allows him to be 100% at any time. He's seven foot two, and 
just there's a lot. He, he does he does a lot of things athletically on the basketball court that demand things of his body that he just can't really do for 82 games. So now he has a running mate who is just as susceptible to injury as him, if not more. It's going to take the perfect confluence of events for a what is he 35, 36 year old LeBron think, yeah. to win another championship, and this year's just not that convergence of events. You can talk about Jordan and what he was in his final year in 1998. He wasn't do 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 do. He wasn't like fly like an eagle jumping from the free throw line. That wasn't him. He was get to his spot, make guys miss, outsmart people, outstrength people. He had to change his game, and the way that we're seeing LeBron change his game to continue to work in his, you know, in his digression of his powers. We're, we're seeing LeBron try and do that as a facilitator. There's just no one to facilitate to right now. He's an amazing passer. He can go for 20, 15, and 10, but there's nobody to give those 10, 15 assists to right now. It's just the way his game is, is transitioning into the latter years requires there to be a running mate. He can't create his own shot anymore, and we're seeing that. It, it's, it, it's tough to see that, but it's even tougher to see him quit. Um, on his team in the in the fourth quarter, and even look at some possessions in the second quarter. He's not running back on defense. He saw the writing on the wall in Game Five, and as the leader of a team and the face of a franchise, and even the face of a league, there's just you just can't have a lack of effort the way we had it. Um, yeah, that, Game Five from LeBron. I, I took issue with that. That was it for me too. Like you're not going to have it every night. You're not going to win a title every year. But like. It's not. It wasn't just the walking off the court on your team with five minutes left to play, which I still think is unacceptable. I, I think that's just that's a terrible teammate. I don't care if you're getting treatment or whatever you say you're doing. You wait till after the game, like everybody else. I don't care if you're LeBron James. I don't. I, I don't. I hate to pull the card, but Michael Jordan never would have done that. Michael Jordan no. was also never down fifty in a playoff game in a first round like, matchup. Not but just, like, not just but, Michael um, Jordan would have never done that. But no, Wade nobody, Wade would have never yeah, done like, that. Um, Kobe Bryant. Kobe would never would have done that. that. Shaq never would have done that. No. Um, and, but like we're talking about, there's there's clips going. You know, in the fourth quarter, in the third quarter, even in the second when the game's getting out of hand. Just, you know, on defense, you know, they, they Suns grab a rebound, start a fast break because off of LeBron miss and he's just, well, whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Just just kind of hanging out, waiting, and then they get an odd man rush and they score because they have an odd man rush. Like, it's just. I love that I, you call it an odd man that's, rush. I'm sorry. I, I, I got <laughs> hockey terms here. On a fast break, whatever you want to put it is an odd man rush. They had, yes. they, they had numbers, as, as the kids like to say. Um, it was. I don't know. It's just, it's off putting to see. And whenever I feel like for me, whenever I start to like inch toward, oh, which by the way, I love watching LeBron play when he's on because he's obviously incredibly good. But like whenever yeah. I start inching towards like, all right, like I don't really love the guy, but man, he's good, man. I kind of want to like him. He just goes and does stuff like this. Like yeah, he wants the attention to be all on himself and it's not for the right reasons. A lot of the time. I think those are a couple of, you bring up a couple of points that will, will be the, the dings on his legacy, the mm-hmm. the type of guy he was when adversity struck, and you know just how people right now were kind of getting to come around on MJ and talk about you know he wasn't really the best teammate, wasn't really the nicest dude, was a little bit of a megalomaniac, was a little bit of a narcissist, a little bit of a narcissist, a little bit of a sociopath, like win at all cost, even if it costs you friendships type thing. Like th- that's the, that's the yin to his greatness that or the yang to his greatness. And I think that will be the, Oh, remember how good LeBron was, but 
you know, he was kind of a baby. He was kind of mm-hmm. a flopper. He yeah. was kind of, kind of a is. guy who quit on his team. At, uh, but I'm saying 25 yeah. years from oh, now, yeah, yeah. looking back on the gotcha, greatness gotcha. that was, we will undoubtedly remember the greatness. But when we get to the, yeah, he was great, but when we get to that, but this is the but. This is this is what Le- this is LeBron's butt, if you will. Um, his butt will always be who he was in times of adversity. Um, the palms up in the air, crying to the ref that we never saw out of a, a bunch of the greats. Like nobody is as pristine as we want them to be, and I think this is uh, this is LeBron's fatal flaw, and we saw it in its most distilled form there in Game Five with him leave, leaving the court. Yeah, I think on the other side though, we do need to address how, how good the Suns looked. They yeah. look they're they're playing fantastic. I mean, it's, on the Western Conference side, the Suns look like they can rack it up, and they're they're they've ratcheted it up on the defensive side of thing. But for me, what I've seen over the last week is a Utah Jazz team that you know we didn't give the credit they deserved, and they're really really good. They're really really deep. They're really really healthy right now, and I don't know if anyone beats him in a seven-game series. Um, now, is Chris Paul back for tonight? Because I know he left that game with a tweaked shoulder. Was that more of a, hey, I we're up 30, you don't have to Yeah, I have not seen – I have not, because he came back in the game, I'd assume he's going to okay. be available in some capacity tonight. But, you know, campaign has really stepped up in that backup oh, point guard role. But he has not been our campaign. He has not been our campaign. He's been – I miss He's been campaign. a different campaign. <laughs> I don't. But um, – I think that we'll likely see KP, excuse me, CP3 go tonight in the closeout instance because you know there's a ton of there's a ton of pride in that series between those two guys. Those are best friends. Mm-hmm. Those are competitors, and you could tell things have gotten chippy between LeBron and, and CP3 in this series because CP3 doesn't put up with LeBron's BS. That, that's what you know when you're a really good pal and you know the beats of one of your friends, and, and you're you know and and then you. You project that out here onto the grand stage in the NBA playoffs. It's gonna be like, shut up, dude! Like, I, I know you. I know what you're doing right now. I know you're trying to gain favor of the referees. I know you're trying to flop all over the place. Shut up, dude! I, I get a big shut up, dude vibe from CP3 in this situation. Um, and I'm not the biggest CP3 guy. I, I'll raise my hand on that. I never mm-hmm. have, and I've talked about it here on the on the podcast. But he's going about his business here, and he's really made this Suns team uh, a, a force to be reckoned with this year. Yeah, it's uh, I, I didn't really watch a ton of them, obviously, early on in the regular season. And I, I just kind of saw the record and was just kind of, I, I saw the couple times so they played. regular bowls. season Suns, just the up to regular sure. season Suns, had Fill no problem in. scoring 100, had no problem scoring 125 and giving you 120. Playoff Suns have come the defensive side of things and they're okay winning 108 to 98. Like it, it's a, it's, they've. They've shifted their focus to the things that matter in the playoffs, which is a really good sign. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's the sign of a team that can win it all because that's the sign of a team that obviously, like you just said, can win it every way you need them to. They they can. Yeah. They are capable of blowing you out of the gym and you're you know running a track meet, doing like you said the one twenty five, one twenty. But they're also capable of shutting you down and playing good defense. If you can win both ways in the playoffs, I mean that's why they're able to compete with and, and beat a team like LeBron's Lakers or now, that's why they can get the by. The thing is, people. the thing is, and we're not going to go series by series here, but we'll touch on mm-hmm. all of them throughout this conversation. But does Phoenix have a championship makeup right now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does Utah have a championship makeup right now? Yes. The Milwaukee Bucks maybe have a championship makeup right now. The Clippers have a championship makeup right now. All of these teams, you could see them winning a championship but not this year. 
what we've seen out of the Brooklyn Nets over those last two games of that series, if those three guys stay healthy, that's the team. And if they have a big man next to them and a shooter next to them, nobody's beating them. They scored 104 combined points in Game Four, 100 or excuse me, 84 combined points in Game Five. It is how we want, when we want, and you're not stopping us. And it doesn't look like any one of these teams is built to stop them. I really think that if they're going to get tripped up, it's in this coming round against the Bucks because the Bucks are playing their best best basketball right now. I'm not a Bucks believer, but they match up well. Um, but in a seven-game series, I don't know. I, I really see it Brooklyn in six in this series, and then they just kind of step on everybody else's throats. I don't think there's a team in the West that can play with them. I don't think there's a team in the West that can go bucket for bucket for them. Maybe Utah defensively can give them some fits. But, okay, you shut down KD. We got cool, there's guys. Kyrie okay, and James. You shut down Kyrie. Okay, well, we got two other guys. Okay, you shut down KD and Kyrie. Okay, well, James can go for 45, 20, and 10. Like, it's just too much. It's too much for anybody to stop, and they showed... I think it was really important that they did what they did those last two games with 104 points and the 84 points combined. Mm-hmm. They showed that all of these conversations and all of these questions about, oh, they only played seven times together in regular season. Let me let me go see Chris Paul on you for a second here. Sure. Shut up. Shut up. Because That's a callback, those, folks. Because those three guys right now, with the way that they're playing, there isn't a team built to stop them. I, I, I We talked about at the beginning of the, the first round, the beginning of the NBA playoffs, how like this is the first time in a while that we, we both thought Brooklyn was probably the favorite, but like, hey, there's a lot of teams here that can win. There's not much that – there's a lot of routes this thing could go, and this is the most unpredictable we thought the NBA playoffs had been in quite some time. And I think this first round, unfortunately, but also it's been fun to watch them, but kind of eliminated that theory. We're at the point now where if Brooklyn does not win at all, I think both of us would be quite surprised. I'd be like, shocked. Yeah, like you said, I'd like really be shocked. we were both high on the Clippers. The Clippers are, are not winning. They might come back, and that we'll get to their loss last night. But they might come back and win that series, and maybe they can come out of the West. But they're not beating the Brooklyn Nets. They don't have the depth to do it. There's if if LeBron, if, if Anthony Davis somehow magically gets healthy and those two catch fire and they go on a run, that's great. But those two aren't beating the three and more that the Nets have. I just I, I, I think th- there's nobody in there in their path that can stop them. I think there's something that we've just blatantly stopped talking about too, Mm -hmm. because we just want to move on from it. But the fact that some stadiums are full and some stadiums are empty and some stadiums are somewhere in between. Those are, those are huge things in the NBA playoffs. Brooklyn is a building that's just about full. Uh, Philly is a building that's just about full. I think Milwaukee has limited capacity still. Mm -hmm. Um, Utah, I believe, is is close to full. LA's got next to nobody in the stadium. Dallas is full. So I think that your NBA champion, and this supports the Brooklyn theory here, is going to be one of those teams that can can harken off, that can draw from their fans, too. It just puts puts the LA teams behind the eight ball, I guess is the point I'm trying to make here. Um, I don't see LA making it, the the Lakers that is, making it out of this round. Um, And frankly, after what Luka did a night ago against the Clippers, won't be surprised if there's no LA teams uh, left because that series is going to Dallas. Luka looks healthy again, uh, got the job done there in game five, and he's going to try and clean things up in game six. Uh, I... Well, I wouldn't be surprised if anything happens. I wouldn't be surprised if that goes seven, goes back to L.A. and one of and either of those teams win it. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas closes it out here in game six. But um, I, I just think that 
I just think that there's such a disadvantage at this point because you're starting to see what a building can do. We got to talk about the building uh, in New York and what they were unable to do against yeah. Trey Young. Uh, the Knicks. He's so good. Now that was that was my biggest takeaway thus far in these playoffs is that you know there's this young crop of fledgling stars, whether it be your Zion's, your Jaws, your Trey Youngs, your Tatum's. I'd even batch in with that. There's this young group of kids that it's going to be like, okay, we're next up. Well. Nobody has the Trey Young moment yet. Uh, Trey took a big step forward out mm-hmm. of that group for me um, over these last 10 days. Like, who's going to go into the garden, get spit on, and give you 30 a night? Like, who's going to do that? Not many people. Because you know how many people have scored 30 points plus in three consecutive games at the garden? One None. other. Oh, Michael. One other. Michael. Knew it. Michael Jeffrey Jordan's the only man. ever to do it. So, and I know it's a different game, and sorry, it's kind of apples and oranges because people just score more, and there's more thirty point guys out there. Mm-hmm. But what Trey Young did over the last ten days is nothing short of spectacular, and he made a big statement to the NBA world. And I think that statement kind of is lost amongst all the other things that are going on. That Trey Young's a bad son of a bee. Like that is that's a dude who welcomes the challenge and that's that's rare to be found in, in this young group of stars. There you know there there's not a there's not a ton of guys who want to be center stage getting booed. Trey Young looked like he soaked up that He moment. was when, he when soaked he up the bow, villain moment. He took that more than anybody. After, uh, when he took that bow after hitting that three, I got the chills. That last was all. Night. It's um, he I, that was that was a Trey Young moment uh, last night and over the last 10 days. Yeah, it's like it, it's it's good it's not, it's funny that you bring that up. You're talking about he's kind of the one star of that like this next wave that is kind of starting to have those moments like that was the None of them have really tried or had the chance to embrace that being the villain. Mm-hmm. And he's not only embracing that, but he certainly he thrived in that role. I mean, yeah. he, he got spit on. They lost game two in what was... I had, was him, I had a, I, just to cut you off for a second, I had it. a hard time calling it the villain role because... The villain was the guy spitting on him. Like, no, but no, I no, no. I meant and not me, the, the not the, that, the, metaphor, the rest of the series. The I know, villain I is when you're in, like just be like playing the guy, playing the yeah. the road star, like the star on yeah, the road were, and hushing uh, the crowd. Obviously, he's not the villain in that situation. The, that guy's the casual player. fan, the casual fans rooting for the Knicks because they want to see the Knicks do something. Yeah, um, that makes him the villain. To me, it was more Maximus refusing refusing to bow to the emperor. I love that. It's in, a great movie. Great callback. Yeah, that was that was my. Uh, metaphor yesterday was that like this was maximus refusing to kneel is gladiator a top five movie of all time for jerks? yes i would agree it's in my top five as well. i mean top five is so tough to do but you, see, for me to, top five when I people probably ask do, me top like two like top one i can't give you like, see when people movie. when people used to ask me oh like when, when people ask you what's your favorite movie that's just kind of one of my default answers yeah. so that's why i'd say it's top five remember how mad at me you were like a year or two ago when i said i hadn't seen the godfather yeah yeah i watched it it was good yeah it's fine Fine. Flick. It was better. It was a good movie. I would not I ever don't put it in my top. I wouldn't say it's like my top favorite, you know, top five favorite movie ever. It's a good movie. I liked it. I will watch it again at some point. I, I you know, you may, I, I wouldn't put it in my top five either, but it is an, it is a top five movie of importance. That's fair. I um, would totally agree with in that. Like, I just think I probably watched it like too late. I would say that like I've seen a lot of like good movies with like 
I guess uh, I special features aren't everything. I don't but like, you this. know, the way movies are made now, it's, it's easy. It's, you know, you get it. You it, didn't, understand. it didn't stand up to Avatar for you. I actually never saw Avatar. Okay. That was one I did. I heard that was way overrated. Um, it was a good movie. Um, Moose and listeners, take some, hit us take on some Twitter. What's your most overrated movie of all time? Turn down the lights and, uh, and enjoy Avatar. Tw- tweet us your most overrated movie of all time. That's there your you homework. Go. Um, you, got any other, you got any other NBA notes? Uh, LA, we, we covered the two LA teams. We covered Trey Young. Utah looks Nothing. solid. Uh, Philadelphia really is in flux. It, it all, as it always does, kind of um, depends on the health of Joel Embiid and that knee. They didn't need him to get the job done against Washington, mm-hmm. but they will need him to get the job done against Trey Young because oh, yeah. that team can score. I'm looking um, forward to that series. Let's say uh, if Embiid's healthy, if he's not healthy, I think Atlanta probably actually wins that. Series. We get another. We get another amazing Dame time moment in a loss. That's what that's I wanted to talk about. That's essentially what Portland is. That's essentially you know. Damian Lillard, to all his credit, has been the guy like, I don't want to be a part of the super team. I want to do it with my guys over here. Well, that's all well and good. But, but you can't. If that's, yeah, if that's the approach you're taking, you're going to have a lot of instances where you score 55 points and shoot at 12 of 17 and set an NBA record from three and lose in double overtime. Was like, where just, do you, what do you do from here? Like, C.J. McCollum hasn't turned out to be the running mate that they kind of thought he would be. Yeah. What do you do? Do in the I mean, I, I'm talking like they already lost tonight. They, they they could go out and win this game. They could go out and win the next one too in advance. But LeBron's going to do everything. In, LeBron's going to do everything under the sun to try and get him to LA. Um, God, I that's hope that that's going to happen. What I hope that happens, and it's never going to happen because he's a West Coast guy. Like I don't see him going Bulls. I, I don't see him going west of like Oakland. Um, I, I think I think that it would be best best scenario for the league. Like. What team needs him the most? Chicago. Yeah, but the Knicks. The Knicks have taken do. that. The Knicks have taken that step forward, but mm-hmm. you saw they were just like offensively deficient. How fun would that be? Dame in the Garden putting up fifty place. We, you saw what that building's capable of when they're good, like mm-hmm. going crazy. For my NBA narrative, I'd love to see him in a Knicks uniform. That would but be he's a probably gonna, awesome. He's stop. probably going to be in Portland, and he's probably going to score fifty five, and it's probably not going to matter. I, can poor is I, I don't I, the free agent class is pretty weak if I remember correctly this year like is there a guy they can go out and try and get that's going to be available that they could bring into Portland to kind of be a running mate uh, I don't I don't know who's really out there because there's summer. no one really of uh, tell you what NBA tell you free what. agents here we go, go Chris Paul okay Kawhi Leonard Mike Conley. Why is it free? Is he, did he sign one yeah, of those contracts where he just opt like, out every year or something? Yeah, no, he signed that like two plus one, so I think he could opt in, but gotcha. he'll probably go for more money. Um, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Otto Porter Jr., man. Bring him in. Um, Bring him Victor in. That's Oladipo, right there. Goran Dragic, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dennis Schroeder is a nice piece, but does he change the, the outlook? Does Victor Oladipo do anything for you if you're Damian no. Lillard? No. I think that I think that we've I think that that knee injury um, was career altering for Vic. Un- unfortunately, he was kind of in that second tier of stars and underwent that injury, and it's just kind of been a chain reaction of injury since he's returned. So I'm not sh- until he proves that he can play 70 games in a season. Yeah. Um, I, I, you can't spend big money on him. Beyond that, um, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dennis Schroeder, Danny Green, Andre Iguodala is a thousand years old. Kelly Oubre. Wait, Andre Iguodala hasn't retired yet. Who's he technically? No, he, he, played was for on, Miami. he was on Miami. Yeah, no, he was on I, Miami. honestly, he was like I didn't. That was playing for Miami last week. Of. 
I did not made watch fifteen it. million dollars. Good for him. Last the NBA just Miami. gives you money. It's insane. Yeah, they really do. They really do. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Portland is Portland is they are who we thought they were type situation. Tell you what, we'll give you the negotiating restrictive free agency rights to Lowry Markinen. And we can't trade a first-round pick this year because we already traded it for Vooch. But how about just Markkinen and anyone else not named Zach Levine? Yeah, sounds like a deal. Deal? Sounds deal. like a deal. Um, and Kobe White. Yeah. We'll give you Kobe White. He's nice. I, You'll like him. I, th- I, think, uh, I think that they're just going to kind of spin the wheel again, and it's going to be – You kind of have to, unfortunately. going to be Dame in the first round, losing the game five. He's so fun to watch, though. I love watching that guy play. Yeah, he's got a little – He's got a little piss and vinegar to him too. Uh, he's not. He's one of those dudes who kind of welcomes the challenge always. And the, obviously, what we're talking about with Trey, about his yeah. career. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a stank face in Dame that oh, when yeah. it comes out, you better be careful because he's gonna make he's gonna start pulling from anywhere. I th- I think they win tonight in four seven just because I think it, I don't yeah, think I, I he lets think them so lose at home. But then I think and, they probably fall in seven just because Denver the Nuggets have help. Denver doesn't scare me in the least. It's like, can Portland get a stop? Just one stop throughout the course of a 48-minute basketball game. Can you get a stop? Can Carmelo Anthony play some defense for you? (laughs) Probably not. Uh, We talked about Brooklyn, and they take care of Boston, but we do have to talk about Boston in terms of uh, the future of that franchise because Danny Ainge stepped up as president president of basketball ops, and then, then, uh, whatchamacallit, Brad Stevens takes that job, which leaves the coaching uh, coaching position open. I know we really didn't see this coming. I, I think a lot of people were thinking there might be a shakeup at the top with Ainge, but the fact that Stevens is going into that role, what does this all tell you? Because I was listening to a podcast with Bill Simmons and Jackie Mack, and they're making the point that, you know, maybe this is Brad Stevens burnt out on coaching. He, he was a college coach forever and really maximizing the return of a team that maybe didn't have the talent to reach that level, and he got him there. And then he takes this job with Boston, and it's just been an absolute dumpster fire in terms of we get the players the players don't want to be there the players aren't playing Kyrie situation Mm -hmm. but we still are in the playoffs and maybe a championship caliber team each year they're saying he was burnt out but the thing is if you're burnt out move to Florida like go retire it you don't become yeah because that's a demanding job as well it is but I guess the the day-to-day and the travel is probably less because if you're the, the GM you're not traveling with the team every day it is more of like a. I don't. We just heard he was burnt out, not necessarily by what exactly. So maybe it was the day to day and the constantly being on, you know, being in hotel rooms. You know, that 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 could have some yeah. sort of impact on somebody. But yeah, it's like I'm burnt out, so I'm going to go get uh, as stressful of a job. And now instead of coaching the Boston <laughs> Celtics, I'm going to run the Boston Celtics and yeah. my successor. That sounds like a lot of fun. But it was just I. I it's it's. I don't know if Danny Ainge was kind of forced out for, for some reason. If he actually wanted out, that was also a weird move for me because Celtics fans especially seemed to absolutely love Danny Ainge and thought he was doing the greatest job, even though the team was kind of stuck in the mud the last couple of years. It was just I, I almost had to refresh Twitter a couple times yesterday and like, no, that's that's a fake account. That can't be real, right? Um, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here for a second and connect some dots. Uh, I, I'm sure you saw it, but there was a statement that um, I forget which reporter had it, but one of the big name reporters around the NBA had it that they got it from an anonymous GM uh, after the after all these incidents and the comments that were coming from players. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a quote from an anonymous general manager that 
um, it was something along the lines that they felt that this was the worst time in NBA basketball because the players have all the leverage and you can't get anything done. It was a very player statement um, from an anonymous general manager. And then two days later, Danny Ainge steps down as the president of the Boston Celtics. The timing of it made me look that direction. The track record for Ainge and the comments he's made in the past make you look that direction. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he was the person who said that statement. Would not surprise me if it was attributed to him. That that would make And that was the reason for, hey, Danny, the game has passed you up. It's time to go Mm -hmm. type conversation that that was had behind closed doors. Well, if that's the case, then that would certainly make a whole lot more sense. But that was just... uh, some stunning news yesterday, obviously, with that. And then, then we had another legendary figure. And I guess I wouldn't call Danny Ainge a legendary figure as a, as a general manager. But Coach K certainly is. Now, how just, surprised were like you by just, this? I was I, – well, I mean, you had to know it was coming at some point. I just – Like I, everybody was pretending like, oh, my God, the, this bombshell. Have you not gotten this vibe from Coach K the last few years? Um, you he's, know, he's a 74-year-old man had you, had you who's told reached me, the pinnacle of his sport and profession. Had you told me Let before him enjoy last his waning year, years. had you told me like before last year he was thinking about it, I would have been a little bit surprised. But after the year they had last year being so bad and the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, like we, we talk, Brad Stevens talks about being burnt out. Coach K's got to be just burnt the hell out in that like, yeah. last year probably 100%. didn't do any, anything to help him in that regard. And then they, he... I don't. I doubt it had that big of a factor to, to play in it, but also seeing Roy Williams step aside, you kind of have the legendary figures his age starting to to go by the yep. wayside, with the exception of Jim Beheim, who is probably going to be coaching Syracuse to two three zone in, in Elite Eights when he's ninety. Um, it made a lot more sense once I read the. Two, it was surprising to read it because it's still so, like news. Like it's it's going to be shocking no matter when you read it. But once you do, it's like yeah that. That, that makes sense. That seems about right with everything that's going on with Duke, ask the me, world, uh, the ACC, all that kind of stuff. Ask me, ask me by yourself. Buy or, by yourself. Buy or sell Coach K retiring. Uh, I absolutely buy it. Let that man go live his life. Um, let Duke basketball move on to John Shire. Let them move on to a new era. It's still going to be Duke basketball. I, I just, I just am so stunned at the like feigned shock and awe behind this news um do you think this guy's gonna coach forever do you think that he's gonna live forever Mm -hmm. do you think that he's gonna like this is he's gonna coach until his final days no man he's reached the pinnacle of his sport there's nothing left for him to do even if he wins let's say he coaches three more years and wins two more titles does that add to the legacy of coach k that much no like He's already done it. Everything, every box has been checked. Let him, let him be. Good let for him. Be. Good for John Shire, Illinois high school basketball legend. Um, it's it, it'll just be weird seeing somebody else on the sidelines at Duke. But who like, be. like John Shire to me? Like when I picture John Shire in my head, he's still wearing a Duke uniform. Like that wasn't that long ago. And then we were running a VO of him last night, and it's like, oh my god, he looks like he's a thousand years old now. He's got glasses on. He's got mm-hmm. the suit on on the bench. Like that's a coach. That's a coach now. When I so, think of John Shire, world. I still think of him in the the proviso uh, proviso yeah. West gym, putting up twenty one points in a minute fifteen for GBN, hanging fifty on everybody. It was insane. Uh, we got to keep this thing rolling. We need a Mass Hockey Minute, an in memoriam, as the Hockey Minutes have 
tended to be as of late, the Maple Leafs, just the oh most boy, that the was most hilarious. Tortured franchise in all of sports. I mean, that's boy, what they are. We are. Lead. I think we're at that point with them, right? It's like who's who's got whose fan base right now has it worse? I mean, you could say the Jets, but they've been bad consistently, and they've had success in the last. 25 years uh, or to a certain extent the I mean, browns have been bad they even had the franchise taken away for a time being but they're good right now they're a good football yeah, team. Like, they have hope who who is more tortured than the leafs who haven't won it since what 60 they haven't won i think 67 four? years but they get to the like they haven't won a playoff series in i think since 2004 and yeah. like some of those it's i saw a tweet there it was a string of tweets about how they're losing Every which way in these playoff series, like in twenty, uh, what was twenty thirteen when they they had the they lost game seven to, to Boston. It's like, yeah, they, they blew a game seven lead, but they were a young up and coming team. And you're like, all right, they're gonna be back. They're gonna be back. It's gonna be fine. Two years later, they were kind of in a rebuild. Then a couple of years later, they had, they played another playoff series with Boston. They were again a young and up and coming team. Like they're back. They're good. They end up choking. Last year, they're kind of the established team that hasn't quite been there yet. They end up blowing it. This year, they're the clear favorite to come out of the Canadian division and go to a conference final, and then they you know, lose an $11 million player, which hurts, but then they blow a 3-1 lead to their rival, and they're again out in the first round. It's just, I, I, You're right. It's the most torture. Yeah, against the Habs, too. Like, that, that makes so it much that worse. Much, if it was to the Winnipeg Jets, it would have hurt. It would have stung, but it wouldn't have been as bad. Not only do they lose to the Habs, like, the Habs are – their rival, they're a team that snuck into the playoffs this year that has nowhere near the talent that Toronto has. And they had the 3-1 lead, and once they had that 3-1 series lead and that game was over, they never had a lead in a game again in that series. That was, yeah. I, I didn't really realize that. What a wild stat that was. They did not take a single lead once they took a 3-1 series lead. Pretty uh, pretty tough pill to swallow again here for Maple Leafs fans. Uh at this point, it's all just of funny. It. All of it. It's against the Habs, the time removed since success, the fact that you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. This is supposed to be the home of hockey. I mean, it's the Dallas Cowboys, but like on like, steroids. Uh, yeah. Like, just an absolute farce of a franchise. I'm not sure that I understand the complexity of it, but just on the surface level, it doesn't get a whole lot worse. No. It's, it doesn't get a whole lot worse. It's what we saw with the Cowboys. It's starting to get to the point of Boston Red Sox territory before they finally got over the hump and won that World Series. That might be the most relatable one to all of us because that was another team that was close a lot of times and had good teams and just never could mm-hmm. win. But it's it's unlike anything, and it's just it's it's now just funny. All right, I want to ask it to you this way, Matt: uh, If the Brooklyn Nets are the team to beat and they look constructed to demolish everybody mm-hmm. in their wake. That's what the Avalanche look like in the NHL playoffs right that, now. That is who's, who's what the Avalanche the, look who's like. Who's got the best chance to give them fits? It's a good question. Honestly, I would have said Vegas had a pretty good chance. Or it, it, on this side of the bracket, Vegas was the team that was going to have a chance, and they obviously got blown out in game one, took it to overtime last night. But you kind of thought last night might have been their chance to steal one and get someone yeah. out of the series, and now that it's 2 nothing. I just I see Colorado taking that one in probably five, maybe six games, probably probably five games. I mean, Tampa I think is the easy answer. I know I like Carolina and I still do. I'm starting to think they don't really that their problem has always been they don't have the goaltending really, um, and and Tampa has probably the best one in the NHL. 
and they're the defending Stanley Cup champs. They brought just about everybody back. They're healthy. So it, I, I know that we were talking last week that the markets of Denver versus Tampa in a, in a Stanley Cup final isn't exactly what you want in terms of, you know, eyeballs. But in terms of the best matchup you can get, the best talent you can put on the ice in terms of guys the league could and should try and build around going forward, that's going to be an, a, a fantastic series. If Colorado's yeah. the best team, they should win. I don't care who they're going up against. They should win the Stanley Cup. But Tampa's a team that coming off a win has been there before. They're the ones that have done it. They're going to be real tough out if they can make it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Do you want to hear a statistic that has nothing to do with anything but could tell you what's coming? I love irrelevant statistics more than anybody. So only two times before have Stanley Cup champions opened up their opening two series of the playoffs, winning both games. So 2-0, 2 in the opening two series of their defense both of those instances went on to defend their cup. So that, that perhaps bodes well for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So what you're saying is I should at least be preparing myself for, for Tampa, Colorado. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's the way we're trending. I'm fine yeah, I with think that. so. And, and you make a great point about what's a Vasilevsky in the net if anyone's going to slow down uh, this Colorado offensive attack. Yeah, I mean, that's the difference between you talking about the Nets and I, the Colorado Avalanche are probably the Brooklyn Nets of the NHL right now. But mm-hmm. – you, you you can't put a goalie in front of the hoop in basketball. You can get you can, you can get you can get a hot goalie in the, in the NHL that can shut down the best of offenses. Yeah. That can just that they, there's it's more of the the defense in the NHL because of how good your goalie can be is a guy that's capable of sealing you games. Where in the NBA, you're telling it's not me really, I, you're telling me we can't find a ten footer just stand in front of the rim. Let's get let's get that, let's get Corey Crawford in full pads just out there defending the rim. How about that? We might be onto something. Give him his goalie stick. Uh, We've got to keep things rolling here, Matt. Talk a little bit of uh, Chicago baseball. Uh, The Sox are going about their business. Um, Not the best week. Dylan Cease uh, gets touched up there a couple days ago. Um, But the Cubbies, I mean, they had a week to remember here. They've won nine of their last ten. They sweep the Padres. Everything's working in the right direction. Uh, Put your finger on this success for me where where is where are things starting to click for them that's a good i mean they're they're starting to get contributions from just about everywhere i mean we saw early on in the year that they had throughout the lineup up and down was struggling their stars have started to play a little bit more like stars chris bryan has been the mvp or one of the nl mvp candidates javi baez is showing a little bit more patience at the plate but they're also starting to get like contributions from up and down the lineup from guys that mm-hmm. we haven't heard of, which is kind of, I mean, that's what the Dodgers do when they're hurt, when they're struggling. When they, they have these guys that come out of knowing, like, who the hell is that? They're, they're, get, they're getting guys that I'm looking at their lineup from yesterday. I don't know who Patrick, Wig, uh, Patrick Wisdom is. I don't know who, um, who is this? Raul, Rafael Ortega. Never heard of that guy before. Yeah. Um, let's see, PJ Higgins. Don't know who he is. They, 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 I'm looking at a lineup of yeah, guys know, that I've it, never heard of, and they're, they're getting it's funny contributions. That, it's funny that you put it that way because you know we're calling all the highlights at night, and I know if it's a Chicago team, I've heard every single one of these names a hundred times. I don't have to flip through the shoddy and like double check pronunciations on the names like I do with these hockey highlights and stuff mm-hmm. to make sure that I have the pronunciations just down to the T to where I, yeah. I, I can rip through the highlight and make it entertaining and not get hung up on a name. I'm calling these Cubs highlights and I, same thing. Like who? Like Rafael Ortega? Like uh, Wisdom? Like I've never heard some of these last names. And, you know, 
admittedly so, I'm not as dialed into Cubs baseball this year as maybe in in those World Series runs. But like, they're getting it done. They're getting it done with this group of guys that they're trotting out there. So I, I don't know if it's the again the fans in the stands bump and a beautiful beautiful afternoons at Wrigley Field. But um, they're, they're getting good some right pitching now. too. Albert Alzale has been uh, again a guy that what? they were kind. Of, you never he he'd been their top pitching prospect for for some time. So that okay. might be more of a you didn't hear about him because he was coming up through the system. But I think that's a guy in Chicago that people have heard the name of. He's been kind okay. of their their young guy that he's done what they were hoping he would finally do. They're starting to get, you know, contributions from the rotation. Their bullpen's been somehow incredibly good. I don't think anybody thought that was going to be the case. Um, but yeah, like you're talking about not knowing names, Joe. I was in the car listening to to Pat Hughes on the radio because the, the Sox weren't on yet. The Cubs were, and I heard Ortega drives a base hit into right field. I'm like, oh, Padres just picked up a hit, and it's like, nope. Rafael Ortega is apparently the contract <laughs> I had no idea that was the case. It's the bottom half of the inning? Like, what, what's up? I thought they were on the road. They're at home. But the, who's this? And oh God. lo and behold, he's good for them. It's, uh, I, I, again, I don't think it's going to be sustainable over the course of 162. But if you play well, right at, right, or play well enough now and you have a good enough June and you stretch that into July for a bit, you can build up enough of a record where – you don't have yeah. to be perfect down the stretch to make the playoffs. You have to play 500 baseball, and that's something they could probably do. And bing, bang, boom, you're a playoff team. Yeah. But uh, baseball is in a good way right now in the city of Chicago. Matt, before we get to some mailbag here, because we did get a, as I said, thought-provoking mailbag question this week, we got to talk about the memorial. Uh, Jack, can, 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 I, can I bring up a baseball topic before we go to the memorial? Real you're quick. always welcome to. Well, we're talking about Chicago baseball being in a good place. We got the city opening up June 11th, and tonight back mm-hmm. at U.S. Cellular Field on, uh, I believe it is June 3rd, and over like 400 days, Alyssa Bergamini is making her return to be the Come on now. White Sox games. We're back. She's back. Get yourselves to the stadium now, where we we're going to have her on the big screen. I don't know exactly what she's doing yet, and in full capacity, how she's going to be bouncing around the stadium. But she's back. She's going to be be with the microphone in hand on the big screen. So get out to the stadium, support your girl, Sox fans. She's Jose back. Abreu. She's waiting. Lucas her damn Giolito. Turn. Alyssa Bergamini. Those are the three names from and Tim Anderson. We'll throw Tim in there. There's there's a big there's four. the Mount, there's the, the Mount Rushmore. I agree. There's the Mount Rushmore right there. When you think uh, of no. going to Sox games, you think of those four people. That's uh, that's a beautiful thing to hear. Definitely get out to the park, enjoy some games, enjoy these smooth stylings uh, of friend of the podcast, uh, Alyssa Bergamini. Uh, Matt, we do need to talk about the... Now we can uh, talk golf. Now we can talk golf. Um, because as I saw, you dragged the poor girl all over the, the golf course this weekend. So, hey, you know, she it, wanted it, it to makes sense. It makes sense to follow with golf. Oh, you love to hear that. We brought my niece out there for a while who has... Her, her idea of playing golf is going and when we get up to the green, just putting her ball next to right next to the hole and mm-hmm. tapping it in and that's that's golf is easy joe you just put the ball right next Love to the that. hole and knock it I'm in i'm gonna start it's playing that, that way too but no Alyssa was was lovely and and uh hannah insisted on riding in her cart and using snapchat filters on her phone to nice. make funny faces keep her entertained nice. so they, they had a fun time too beautiful well uh let's take it to the course and talk about jack's place the memorial um, going down this weekend, always a, a nice ramp up. Like this is the this is the big one between majors now, mm-hmm. between the PGA and the U.S. Open. This is where where the where the big dogs come out and really test their game. And there's a lot of big dogs who need some testing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're looking at the top of this leaderboard. John Rahm has, or excuse me, looking at the top of this odds board. John Rahm hasn't done anything in a while. 
Uh, Xander Shoffley's got to prove that he can win something when it matters. Colin Morikawa, can he putt? Like, period, the end, yeah. there's your question. Rory McIlroy, is it going to be Wells Fargo winner Rory or didn't show at uh, at Kiowa Rory? Jordan Spieth, is it going to be Sunday Spieth, who shot a 73 out of, like, a, a not-too-challenging-of-a-course uh, last weekend? Or is it going to be the guy who's been ripping it to shreds? Bryson DeChambeau, where have you gone? Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, he's been consistently good. Justin Thomas, Oh, JT, it, it's major season. You're going to knock on the door here. You're going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat, Patrick Cantlay was great at the beginning of the season. Now that it matters, where'd you go? Tony Fina. Okay, top 10. But like, can, can, can you, you win beyond it? Ricky Fowler, can you continue to take steps forward here? Because he had a great showing at Kiowa. I, I just don't, I, there's no, and we talked about it last week. There's no just surefire, sure thing favorite anymore. And I think we've seen that by the constant rotation of favorites, you know, on the betting boards. And, um, you know, is the best player in golf right now Jordan Spieth? Probably. Just the way he's striking the ball. But we've seen there's an off day in him. Um, it's not the infallible Spieth of past days. So uh, with that said, Matt, who really piques your interest here at the Memorial? You know, I just... I remember last year's Morikawa and Justin Thomas duel down the stretch, and that for me, I know Rahm ended up winning, but didn't Morikawa and Justin Thomas have a pretty big back and forth at the Memorial? No, that's when they played two weeks in a row there. Yeah, that was I'm thinking uh, of the first. That was tournament. the following. That was the fo- or that was the what was first? The Memorial or the other one? I think it was. The, it was the first. The, first, the Memorial was second I, okay, because they grabbed the run. I was getting confused. I forget I what rem- the t- but I yes. don't remember the tournament, but I remember they were those two going trading back like, and forth at Jack's place, trading like twenty five foot putts. So stuff, yeah. those were the two I was watching, and in particular, Colin Morikawa because he, he's been playing some good golf. He hasn't been able to putt, and I, he's the guy for me that I'm kind of waiting to see. I know he got the PGA and got hot last year. I'm kind of waiting for him to try and do that again and kind of take that next step and go right. from being a very good player to joining the that next echelon of you know the top names in golf now because there's obviously not one anymore but for him to get kind of to catapult himself into that conversation with the, with the JTs and the Spieths and uh, the, the Rory's and I guess Ricky's not there anymore but that, that that's the guy that I was going to pick this weekend he's off to he's two under through nine He's towards the top of the leaderboard, but you got some uh, some fives and fours and threes up there. Um, that that's the guy I've been watching this week, wanting to watch this week. All right. Well, you know, last week I or excuse me, PGA Championship week when we were giving out our picks, I said, you know, I just gotta I gotta stop defaulting to Justin Thomas just because that's it's, 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 it's not going well. PGA. It's not going well right now. Um, He's admittedly dealing with some stuff in his game when he was talking about you know how good it felt to. Give Big Mike Masicki that check to continue to chase his dream. I'm mm-hmm. sure people saw it, uh, and good on JT awesome. for that. But he said, you know, it, it felt good to feel good because his game really hasn't felt good as of late. But going against my word, I'm picking Justin Thomas. Love I've it. been away love from him it. for two. I've been away from him for two weeks and one total start. And I just love the guy. He's my favorite. You just golfer. can't stay away. And if you're going to take Morikawa, give me the other end of that duel. I'm taking. Let's do it. Let's see those. Go, let's see <laughs> two go back and forth again on a Sunday. But uh, really cool. I mean, for our golf fans out there, and for those who are, um, you know, interested in our course breakdowns and whatnot, it's going to look like Muirfield Village this week, but. It's new. Remember last year after the Memorial, they were on the back nine and they were ripping up the greens on the front nine simultaneously. So mm-hmm. there's been a big renovation out there and apparently it's going to play a little bouncier at the greens, a little firmer. Uh, it's going to be a little bit and, and Memorial is already a test and it's going to be a little bit of a tougher test. There's been some rebunkering and whatnot, but uh, apparently and, you know, I don't want to I don't want to go morose here, but Jack um, 
in his old age saw this as his final renovation of his most beloved course. Uh, so it, it meant a lot to him. And I think this is Muirfield in its final form in Jack's image, which is kind of really, really cool to think about. Yeah, I trust Jack. He, yeah. I, I trust him to put the course together. And this is one of those one of those non-major tournaments that often has that major feel because, you know, Jack's there. But, you know, it's his tournament. and it's, it's not quite the player's level, but one of those tournaments that is not a throwaway. It's one that mm-hmm. you usually try and tune in. Short list for sure. It's, 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 it's a fun one every year. Uh, Matt, you want to dip into that mailbag before you say goodbye to the people? I do. I'm going to pull up the question here. Um, I, I can probably spitball it for the most part, but I want to get Rob, uh, Rob friend of the podcast, Rob Gallant's exact wording. Uh, mainly your thoughts, but I, I can give mine as well on Naomi Osaka and her situation. At the Rob end. just wants to know my thoughts. Your th- he said he said yours because you're more of the <laughs> you're. While we're both in the media, you're more in the direct question and answer, I guess, portion of the media okay. where you're coming a little bit more than I am. Uh, want to hear his thoughts on Naomi, the Naomi Osaka situation. Uh, obviously, she withdrew from the French Open because she did not want to have to, to go through with the media commitments, and you can elaborate that on, on a little bit more if you'd like to, and yeah. the athlete-media relationship. I think what was really tough and might have been her tipping point because she is citing um, mental health issues mm-hmm. and just the fact that she can't really do the media portion of things right now, and she wanted to play the tournament and not do the media portion of things. Um, and then all of the Grand Slam tournaments essentially threatened her eligibility. They said that, you know, she might get booted from this tournament and she might be suspended from other tournaments if she plans to continue to forego her media responsibilities. And in turn, I think that was a ton of pressure. That was further pressure on her shoulders that she didn't need. And she just essentially said, I'm stepping back. I need the time. I need to figure some things out and tend to my mental health. And to that, I am acutely aware of both sides of that scenario because I understand her side of it and I'm in full support of it. It, She's an athlete. She's an entertainer, but first and foremost, she's Naomi Osaka and she needs to be okay with her mental state on a day to day, not just when she's at center stage, not just when she's at center court at Roland Garros, not just at our thrash stadium, not just when we see her on this grandest stage, she's got to walk around and be comfortable being Naomi Osaka. And she's a young woman who is in the spotlight and there are pressures on her that are incomprehensible to you and I. Mm -hmm. Now we all deal with our lowest day differently. Um, and I don't think it's fair to pass judgment on anyone and how they deal with their lowest day. And if she's going through some things right now, all you can do is say you wish for her the best and send her all of our support. Mm-hmm. But to every decision, there is a it's a cause and effect business here. And she, her job and her employment is contingent on her ability to play tennis. That's 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 who she my my job, my employment is contingent on being entertaining and informative on camera. We all have different roles that we have to come to work and fulfill. And her roles include being a world-class tennis player and with being a world-class tennis player comes media responsibilities. You cannot have one and not have the other. So I'm in support of her walking away from the game for the time being and getting things situated the way they need to be. But I am also in support of these tournaments and these governing bodies saying, if you're not doing the media side of things, you can't do the tennis side of things because the only reason the tennis side of things exist it's because of the media side of things. Mm-hmm. The reason that we can have this, tel- this this product on television and the reason that people are coming to watch you and the reason that 
you are lifted to such heights as an individual is because there's a Gatorade bottle on that desk for you. Um, is because Penn or, or, or what a Prince, excuse me, or whoever your tennis sponsors are, pay you the money to go out there and be Naomi Osaka is because you go out there on the tennis court and you are one of the baddest in the world. That's that's where this money is coming from. That's where these eyes are coming from. That's what this whole industry is contingent on is the ad dollars. And it is a stark realization or it's a stark reality that when one goes away, the other eventually goes away. And I'm not saying that sponsors are going to end up pulling their sponsorship for Naomi Osaka. She's the future of the sport. But what I am saying is that if you're not on the court, Joe Musso isn't interested. Mm -hmm. Rooney, I'd, I'd venture to say, isn't interested. Whereas like if Naomi Osaka was in the Aussie Open final or semifinal or had a cool matchup with another big young name or, or, or a legendary name, how we've seen her face off with Serene in the past, I, someone who's not really that interested in watching tennis on television, watches tennis on television. And there is a there is a dollar amount that can be assigned to that interest. So it's just really a double-edged sword here. And I'm, I am, again, in full support of her making this decision, but I, I, I do understand the organizational side of things. And, and the fact of the matter is that if, if you can't sit here and answer the questions for 10 minutes, or if, if that's what's making you uncomfortable, we, we can't have you, we can't have you a part of this tournament because your competitors have to do it and they're dealing with different stresses in their life and mm-hmm. they have different triggers that they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So to give you this, um, this, this special dispensation would be giving you a competitive advantage in a way too. So it, it's a very nuanced situation, as we said, um, but the the first the one one A and one B of this list is making sure that Naomi Osaka is okay mentally because we want to watch her play tennis in the future and I want to watch her. You know, she's got she's got an it, we've talked about it on the podcast before. She's got an innocence to her that like she almost is she when she's winning these tournaments and she's you know taking down legends. She just kind of has this like nonchalant smile about it all. Like she's she just kind of like ho hum. Oh, yeah, it's like, this is what I do. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm amazing thing. at tennis. And I want to see that blossom and I want to see that grow. And the only way that that grows and that blossoms is if Naomi Osaka is okay being that person. You know, um, a lot of, there's a lot of people and a lot of stars and a lot of uh, would-bes or, or never was that never made it to that level because of their limiting factors. And uh, I'm not saying that what she's going through right now is a limiting factor, but it's taking her off the court. And um, it, it's unfortunate um, for her that, that she's going through these things. And I, I really hope that it gets sorted out. And then, like I said, she's she's feeling better and can get back to the court because that's that's where we love to see her. Um, we su- I support Naomi Osaka, the individual, but I'm entertained by Naomi Osaka, the tennis player. Yeah, and I think that's a very good and fair way to put it. Obviously, like you said, 1A, 1B, 1C is all making sure that, that she is, you know, gets her, her mental health figured out and that she, she feels good and that she's healthy and all that. And what, but once she is at that point where she's comfortable in coming back, you do have to have that realization that the media is a mandatory part of the game. It's a mandatory part of being a professional athlete and making all those dollars and getting to compete in those tournaments you do is because to an extent without the media, nobody, they're, they're, Without the media coverage, like you were saying, there are no 
dollars for that tournament. There are no sponsors. You're not making that kind of money. And it, it's something that you're just going to have to, once you, again, once she gets to the point too. where she's comfortable and all that and, and she feels right, you're going to have to get maybe never comfortable, but at least okay being in front of the media and having to answer those questions and all that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll go one further on the other side of the thing too. Not just I'm, – I'm hoping that Naomi Osaka is, is okay, but I'm also hoping – that she can be met by good, thought-provoking questions because that's not always the case from these press pools. I think that there needs to be a higher standard to get in that room as well. Uh, last, I'll give you an example. Last night, Jake Evans gets stretchered off the ice after an ugly hit by Mark Shifley, like just a reprehensible mm-hmm. hit there at the end of that game. I forget who it was at the podium, but a, a media member asked him, uh, as he was getting taken off the ice, was he okay? Did he say anything to you? Like, what are you talking about, dude? The dude didn't even give a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. He was knocked unconscious and stretchered off the ice, and you're asking this stupid question to someone who's not just his teammate, but probably his friend who's worried about his well-being, yeah. who's worried about his spinal health after a hit. Like, there's so many idiots asking questions these days mm-hmm. that I think the barrier to entry that room to be the person asking Naomi Osaka the question needs to be a little bit higher as well. And I think that in the long run, that alleviates some of that stress that like, am I going to sit down at this podium and someone's going to ask me about my personal life? Like something that's completely tangential and unrelated. Like, mm-hmm. is that like, cause that might be where that, uh, that anxiety is coming from for her. If she knows that she could sit down there and she could just talk about the match, whether it was good, bad or otherwise, that might relieve some of it too. So but isn't there like, to an extent, can't she just do that if she wants to? Like, I mean, she could go. Again, I don't know. She could sit down and do the Marshawn Lynch and say, I, I, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." Like, but that like is, just make it as simple as, "Guys, I'm here to answer whatever tennis questions you have for me." Yeah, and if, and, if there's a question you don't like, always, a question that doesn't that goes always off the stop court, people. Unfortunately, that's fair. But, but then when they ask that question, next say, question, guys, I, I respect your question, but I'm, I'm not answering that. That's not about tennis. And, and there's, I mean, but there's a certain level of. Um, there's a certain level of, I, I don't know how to constitute it here, but that, that takes a certain something too, to sit at a podium mm-hmm. and tell a grown person in the press pool, nah, I'm not answering your question. And Naomi Osaka is still, I mean, how so old She's only like 20 years old, right? She's, she's very 20 young. 20 years right? old and she's been, she's had the weight of a sport put on her shoulders already. So, uh, you know. She's put up I, with I think, more early in her life than most of I us think, will throughout our yeah, entire lives. 100%. She's I think as old, she grows very, older, you're out she'll figure out different ways to you know mm-hmm. cope with these things emotionally but she'll also figure out different ways to navigate those rooms and the stupid questions and mm-hmm. the um, follow-ups that are unnecessary unwarranted so but uh, like we said just kind of hoping the best for her and hoping that um, you know she can get back out on the court and, and feel good about it yeah yeah um, all right well I think that's all I've that's, got Matt, you got anything else for the people that's all I got to, that's all I got for this week all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode 208 or so I'm told of the Moose and Runes podcast. From Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. As always, hit us up on Twitter. Send us those mailbag questions because they do lead to such thought-provoking uh, uh, conversations yeah, hats, as hats we just had. Yeah, hats off the listener of the podcast, Rob Gallick. That was a it good be, question. Rob. It could be something as serious Very as the Naomi Osaka scenario or situation, or it could be something as uh, playful as your favorite um, hot dog accoutrement. We, we cover it all here on the Moose and Ru- mm. Runes podcast. Catch up and uh, mustard. As, Both. As always, thank you for tuning in to this episode 208. But for now, I'll say goodbye from Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso. Talk to you guys next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. 
for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>